The Daily 202's Big Idea is sponsored by Delta. At Delta Airlines, we're committed to donating 1% of our net profits to charities around the world. For more information about Delta, visit Delta.com. Good morning. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Wednesday, June 6th. In today's news, Mexico retaliates against Trump's tariffs by squeezing Mitch McConnell. The president's new favorite thing to talk about is pardons. And the head of the EPA used his office to try getting his wife a job at Chick-fil-A. But first, the big idea. The Democratic establishment strikes back. On the biggest primary day of the year, with voters going to the polls in eight states on Tuesday, the National Democratic Establishment got the last laugh. The biggest primary of the night was in California. With nearly every precinct now counted in Orange County, Democrats are growing confident that they can get candidates into every competitive congressional district in Southern California, preventing a lockout that the National Party spent millions of dollars to avoid. In California's 39th, 48th, and 49th congressional districts, Democrats ended the night in second place, at least, which would set up two party elections in November. The state's quirky jungle primary system means that everyone appears on the same ballot and the top two finishers face each other in the general election. In other significant news, Democrats increased their odds of picking up three different House seats in New Jersey. Well-funded former Assistant Secretary of State Tom Malinowski emerged from a three-way primary to win the right to face off with incumbent Leonard Lance, a Republican, in the 11th Congressional District, which Republican Rodney Freilinghausen is leaving after 24 years, Navy veteran and attorney Mike Sherrill won an overwhelming victory. And in the 2nd Congressional District, which is being vacated by retiring GOP Congressman Frank Lobiondo, Democratic voters nominated Jeff Van Drew, a conservative Democratic legislator who the party has tried to recruit for years to run. Republicans, meanwhile, nominated a no-name local politician who's only raised 20000 bucks and has already been written off by the National Party. Democrats need to flip 23 seats to win the House in November. California and New Jersey alone could theoretically get them like a third of the way there. Democrats are credibly targeting half a dozen of the 14 Republican-held House seats in California. Also in the Golden State, the Democratic establishment won two big statewide races— Gavin Newsom, the state's lieutenant governor, won to succeed term-limited Governor Jerry Brown, a Democrat. He'll face Republican John Cox in November's election. Newsom offered a new slogan in his victory speech last night. He says he's running as the candidate who will bring resistance with results. And despite all the hullabaloo on the far left, Senator Dianne Feinstein crushed her primary challenger. There was so much buzz among indivisible-type activists and the move-on crowd when California State Senate leader Kevin DeLeon announced his campaign against the senior senator. Many liberals don't appreciate Feinstein's long independence streak, but DeLeon garnered just 11% of the vote on Tuesday. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar. Number one, Mexico unveiled plans to impose tariffs on $3 billion worth of U.S. products in retaliation for President Trump slapping them with steel and aluminum tariffs. The new tariffs hit U.S. pork, apples, potatoes, cheese, and bourbon. Each of those is designed to mess with people in states that are represented by senior Senate Republicans. Bourbon, of course, is produced in Kentucky, the home state of Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell. The Mexicans' announcement comes as a senior Trump administration official 
says that the president wants to end the three-party talks to renegotiate the North American Free Trade Agreement. Instead, they want to deal separately with Canada and Mexico to restructure the accord. It's unclear how that would work without ending NAFTA. And McConnell is, despite being targeted with those bourbon tariffs, unwilling to cross Trump on his protectionism. He said yesterday that he will not bring up a GOP bill to block Trump's tariffs for a vote on the floor, even though it could probably pass. But McConnell did suggest that the bill's authors, Bob Corker from Tennessee and Patrick Toomey from Pennsylvania, could try to attach such a measure as an amendment to the must-pass National Defense Reauthorization Act. Number two, Trump may sign a dozen or more pardons in the next two months, and he's ordered his lawyers to compile a list of possible candidates. A White House official tells us that the president has become fixated, even obsessed, with pardons. We hear it's his new favorite thing to talk about during meetings and that he'll change the subject to bring it up. One of the people Trump is strongly considering pardoning is Alice Marie Johnson. She's 63 years old and currently serving a life sentence for a nonviolent crime. But she's on Trump's radar because reality TV star Kim Kardashian brought her up when she met with the president last week. There's growing dissent in the West Wing over this. Chief of Staff John Kelly and White House Counsel Don McGahn don't think this woman deserves a pardon. But Trump's son-in-law, Jared Kushner, who arranged the meeting with Kardashian, is pushing it hard. Number three, EPA Administrator Scott Pruitt used his official government position to try getting his wife a franchise with fast food chain Chick-fil-A. Shortly after he was sworn in as administrator, Pruitt had his top aide reach out to the CEO of Chick-fil-A, Dan Cathy, for a, quote, potential business opportunity. That opportunity turned out to be a job for his wife. A call was arranged, then canceled. It was only when Pruitt spoke with someone from the company's legal department that he revealed what was really on his mind. His wife never ended up opening a restaurant. But this latest revelation opens a new chapter in the ongoing saga of Pruitt's questionable spending and management decisions. And Pruitt's efforts on his wife's behalf did not end with Chick-fil-A. He also approached the CEO of a New York nonprofit called Concordia. The executive of that nonprofit said he gave Pruitt's wife 2000 bucks plus travel expenses so she could help out with logistics for a conference they put on. This comes a day after the revelation that Pruitt's scheduler was ordered to help him find an apartment and even to get a used mattress for him from the Trump Hotel in D.C. while she was on the clock as a government employee. Taxpayers were paying for her to help him house hunt. In other staff news, Trump aide Kelly Sadler is no longer working at the White House. Sadler sparked outrage when she dismissed John McCain's opposition to now CIA Director Gina Haspel because, quote, he's dying anyway. It's not clear whether Sadler was forced to resign or fired, but a source in the White House says her departure had nothing to do with her comments about McCain, which Trump has said he didn't mind. Instead, she was pushed out because of an internal dispute with her boss, the White House Director of Strategic Communications, who she accused of being a leaker in the Oval Office in front of the president during a meeting. Meanwhile, the Trump administration has put its search for the Justice Department's number three official on hold after several candidates turned down the position. This is unheard of. Top lawyers turning down the chance to be the number three at the Justice Department. But these candidates didn't want to get stuck at the center of scandal if Trump fires Bob Mueller as special counsel. Then they'd be in the hot seat. The Wall Street Journal reports that the Justice Department currently lacks permanent political appointees to oversee at least five high-profile units, including the criminal, civil, and tax divisions. D. 
DOJ insiders say all these delays and this dysfunction have meaningfully hurt their ability to enforce our nation's laws. And that's The Daily 202 for Wednesday, June 6th. Thanks for listening. I'm James Holman. I'll talk to you tomorrow.